in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Yar, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I be Jonathan Strickland. I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. I, I don't I don't know you who don't, this you guy don't play, is. You don't play that, huh? No, I don't. I'm sorry. Well, today, obviously, we're going to be talking about the Pirate Bay, one of the most blocked sites on the internet. And uh, I know it's a little early for Talk Like a Pirate Day by more than a month, but uh, you know I couldn't resist, really. I mean, they call themselves the Pirate Bay. Their logo is a pirate ship sailing on the high seas. Uh, there, there may be one or two moments where I cannot resist the urge to speak in a stereotypical pirate voice, which is, by the way, not the way pirates talked. And not really Swedish either. Oh, that's another point. So the Pirate Bay is a Swedish website. Uh, it, it is run mostly by Swedish people. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and we, we do not know the Swedish language. We are, we are going to make... A very earnest attempt at pronunciating, pronunciating. That was, this is off to a terrific start. Yeah. So (laughs) one first thing, this is way earlier than when we normally record our show. So uh, we're, we're coping with that right now. Uh, Two, we are going to be speaking some uh, words that are in Scandinavian, including people's names. And we're going to try to pronounce them as closely to the actual pronunciation as possible. But know that we're going to be mangling stuff because mostly our knowledge of Swedish comes from uh, the Swedish chef. Yeah, from the Muppets. So, uh, which we, is not. We do make a solemn promise yes. that, except for this moment right now, we will not follow anything with bork, 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 and then throw utensils in the air. Well, so, I'll be throwing utensils in the air. Well, utensils may be flying, but the bork, bork, bork thing, apart from that second one that I said was <laughs> not going to happen, uh, is not going to happen again. All right. Right. So let's talk about so, the Pirate Bay. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of a big thing. It is It is one of the uh, most heavily trafficked sites on the Internet. Mm-hmm. It has so much, so many torrents, all of the torrents. Right. And, of course, we just did an episode about BitTorrent and mm-hmm. how BitTorrent works. So for a, a large part of this conversation, we're really going to be focusing on the story of the Pirate Bay. And we're not going to concentrate too much on the technology, although that will come into play at parts. Mm-hmm. But as, uh, as the Pirate Bay has updated, um, has started making use of newer technologies than we were talking about in, in the BitTorrent episode. Correct. Right. But if you want to know basically how BitTorrent works, uh, just go listen to the episode that we published immediately before this one. I believe that's the one that should be uh, airing before this one. And then you can catch up uh, and, and know that that's the basic technology that underlies at least the early days of the Pirate Bay. Um, which, uh, which, yeah, is a big deal. They're uh, about to celebrate their 10th anniversary n- yep. in September of 2013, I believe. Right. Um, they're holding their 10th anniversary party on August 10th, which is like two days from when we're recording this. It will have already happened by the, by the incredible future that you yeah. listen to this episode. So uh, tell us how it was, because um, right now we just know how it will be. <laughs> That's going to happen in Stockholm right now, Um 17- 73,554 people have RSVP'd on Facebook, which is about um, 70,000 more people than the venue that they have set up can accept. Wow. Um, and, also, and, and, and I suspect that most of those are, are just like, yeah, kind you, of. You go, Pirate Bay. Excitement uh, RSVPs. Yeah, I would, um, I would, this is just me thinking outside the box here. If I were to attend uh, an event held by a website that has been prosecuted successfully, as we'll discover, for uh, for uh, assisting in uh, the the theft of intellectual property, 
and had been under intense scrutiny from numerous law enforcement agencies, I'm not sure I would use Facebook to say, yes, I want to go to this place. Just thinking about, you know, being tracked easily. I'm just, uh, you know, throwing that out there. And that is a thing to consider. But anyway, so let's let's talk about what the Pirate Bay is and how it got started. Um, also, and 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 kind of talk about the uh, the reputation that the site has, not only among its users but among its critics. Right, Crack.com wrote up a really a really humorous piece um, that was not entirely kidding, and and they said according to the RIAA. Pirate Bay rates somewhere between Nazi dinosaurs and the League of Extraordinary Evil on the global threat scale. Yeah, yeah. So this is a... And that's kind of the perception, I think, that's out there in the um, in the content creation industries. Oh, sure. Yeah, because you're talking about a site that facilitates file sharing. Now, on its face, file sharing is not necessarily nefarious. It's not illegal. It's not that it's stealing it's a way of getting... It's a way of transmitting files. data. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just sharing files, right? That's all it is. It's when those files contain uh, intellectual property or, or mat- uh, material that belongs to a particular to party. You. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that normally that party would sell that material or otherwise make money off of it through licensing or whatever. And the perception is that by sharing it, you are essentially taking money out of that content creator's pocket. Um, oh, and I, I we've gone on quite a bit, and I me- meant to mention this at the very beginning. We are going to do a two-part series on this. It's going to be the Pirate Bay is going to be a two-part episode, so that we can really concentrate on two different segments of the history of the Pirate Bay. So uh, this is part one, obviously, and part two will focus on taking it from the point where. The legal system really got involved up to present day. So starting back onto the very early days of the, the Pirate Bay, you have to go back to September 15th, 2003. And that was when the Pirate Bay site was founded by, uh, an organization called Pirot Biron. Uh, Pirot Biron is, uh, uh, the anti-copyright organization in Sweden. Uh, and that was a group that was formed to kind of just oppose the concept of copyright in general and also the anti-Pirat Biran group in Sweden. Oh, right, right. There were um, a lot of anti-piracy uh, lobbyists happening in Sweden yeah. or lobbying yeah. happening in Sweden at that point in time. And so and so, you know, they were just saying, hey, there's another there's another side to this. Um, Pirat Biran uh, means uh, Bureau of Piracy. By right. The way. Right. So uh, the Piracy Bureau was very much opposed to this blanket approach to to uh, uh, anti-piracy mm-hmm. and uh, we're sa- they were saying look there are there are things that are wrong with copyright law you know they they some people in this group feel that copyright in general just should not even be a thing many say it's not that it shouldn't be a thing it's that in its current form it's a, a system that is punishing people uh, to ridiculous levels, or it's really holding back the ability of people to show creativity. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, th- this goes across all sorts of things, not just file sharing. Let's say that you are someone who likes to remix music and you are a, you're really talented. You make really good remixes and it's stuff that is that 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 uh, resounds with people. People really enjoy it. They they seek out your work. But because what you're doing is taking the work of some other artist and then applying your own talent to changing that, 
there are there are organizations that will go after you because they're saying you don't have the right to that original work that you took and then transformed it. Um, there's also all these arguments about fair use. And if it's transformative enough, does that mean it's fair use of that materi- material? But that's that's tip, that's difficult stuff, right? It's something that only gets uh, determined if it goes to court. So it's not like you can just say fair use and you're you're. You're, you're you're okay. Free, yeah, right. you've got to be able to defend that in a court setting, and a lot of people can't. So this has given rise to a culture, not just in Sweden but around the world, uh, to say that you know this this is something that we really need to talk about, and not just have the government cater to enormous organizations that spend millions or even billions of dollars to lobby the government officials and say. Look, let's uh, let's protect this. Let's make copyright 96 years now after the original creation of the work. And um, and then the, the other side says, is that really necessary? I mean, how long does this protection have to last before you can say this belongs to the world? Mm-hmm. So this is a, it's not a dialogue <laughs> because uh, both sides have extremists who tend to dominate the conversation. It's not that. The extremists make up the majority of the population, right? but they are the loudest, and they tend to end up being the ones that everyone associates with those organizations. So things like the Recording Industry Association of America, the RIAA, is representative of content creators, and then the most hardcore pirates uh, are the because representatives they, they, they of the Because they all side. say the most uh, quotable things. Yeah. And- but you know, most of us tend to fall somewhere in the middle and some of us are, well, we'll get into that discussion toward the end. Uh, yeah. We can talk about our own personal kind of perspectives. So Pirate Bay starts in 2003, right? That was uh, kind of the, the whole purpose of it was to create a file sharing service that used the BitTorrent protocol that was there in Sweden that could have uh, the, 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 the folks in uh, Pirat Biron would have the control over so that they could end up uh, supporting it. And not just have it disappear. And uh, the founders included uh, Peter Sunda, uh, whose handle was Brokep, uh, F- uh, Friedrich Nei, uh, Tiamo, Tiamo, yeah, and Gottfried Svatomvari, who was uh, Anakata. And they wanted to create the Scandinavian BitTorrent community. They started off by saying that they had a very simple policy, really, which was that this site is for you to be able to share stuff. We don't care what it is. We don't really want you to care what it is. Right. If, uh, you know, if you find stuff on there that you don't like, don't report it to us. We're not going to take it down. Right. They're essentially saying we built this road system for you to drive on. We don't care what you put in your car. We don't care what you bring back in your car. We don't want to know what's in your car. All we're doing is providing you the ability to get from point A to point B and back again. Uh, and so, you know, that, that's a, that's a policy that they have, stressed time and time again and and used as a defense as well. Absolutely. Uh, um because you know what when some um uh when some content that isn't only under copyright but but is but is perhaps controversial in controversial in another way. Um there's a lot of pornography that happens on on or that has classically happened on yeah. the Pirate Bay. Yeah, there's a lot of like, like a lot of the stuff that you can find the torrents that you can find on Pirate Bay relate back to material that is either controversial or 
uh, illegal in some places, mm-hmm. and not just because it may be stolen uh, or you know intellectual property that doesn't belong to the person who's sharing it, but because of the actual content. Right. Um, they will remove files if um if the name and the content don't match up. Right. So in other words. They want you to be straight up with whatever the torrent is supposed to be. Right. Right. So if if I upload a copy of Jurassic Park or I say it's a copy of Jurassic Park, but it turns out it's actually Howard the Duck, then they would remove that torrent because it was improperly improperly labeled or improperly uh, uh, presented. And uh, and people would end up missing out on the great cinematic masterpiece that was <laughs> Howard the Duck. Or um, or if there's malware that is not just Howard the Duck. Right, um, right. Let's say that I uploaded a file that says it's Jurassic Park, but in fact it's a virus designed to create an entire botnet zombie army that I'm going to control so I can attack uh, uh, another company's you know servers. That would be taken down not because I was planning on attacking those servers, but because it wasn't fi- it wasn't labeled a- properly. <laughs> Right. So it's not an ethical thing. It's more like we just want people to be able to get the stuff that they are searching for. So mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with the ethics of the actual whatever the content. Like what is. that piece of content? It's just accuracy right. that mm-hmm. they're concerned with. But so, but so the very first uh, the Pirate Bay server, and and I'm I'm still not I I don't know the the language. If we on say the, the Pirate Bay or TPB, yeah, yeah, TPB is probably safer. I probably just I usually just right. say Pirate Bay. I Pirate even leave off the right. the. Oh, you rebel. I know. Um, the very first server to host it was located in Mexico. This server belonged to a company that, uh, that Gottfried was working for. Yeah. And, um, that, that original server is now in a computer m- museum in, uh, Linköping, uh, Sweden. Okay. Which, uh, has, has created this, they, they, they took off one of the original walls of it and inscripted it, the, you know, so that people could see inside. Like this was the original Pirate this, Bay server. Uh huh. And, and there's a, there's a little history that is currently inscripted in that glass now that, uh, that talks about, um, uh, the significance of the it significance and what it was. Of it and yes, it was a a revolution that began in a dark gray metal box under a bed. If, if uh, according to one of the sources I read, it specifically had a Celeron 1.3 gigahertz processor with 256 megabytes of RAM, and that was the BitTorrent tracker. Now, if you listen to our BitTorrent episode, you know the tracker is essentially kind of like the traffic controller. It's when it when you get a request for a specific kind of file, it is sort of what uh, allows the the software to know what other computers in that network host that file. So that was the first one. Uh, it eventually moved from Mexico over to Sweden, and um, it you know things were kind of moving along this way. It was getting the pretty popular pretty quickly, especially within Sweden. But the real breakout would happen. Uh, shortly thereafter, in fact, in 2004, that's when the Pirate Bay grew to more than one million peers. Now, peers are the computers within the network that are hosting files, right? So, um, you know, they're not hosting all the files. They're hosting whichever files the users are interested in for their particular use. But if they s- remain connected to the network, then those files can then be uh, downloaded by other users. Uh, there were more than 60,000 torrent files at that point. Uh, and it was interesting that the Pirate Bay founders discovered something that that surprised them. They saw that 80% of the traffic that was coming to the Pirate Bay came not from the Scandinavian countries. It came from the rest of the world. And that's when they realized, wow. This is a thing. This we is, have created a thing. Yeah, this is, and, and that was one year after they, they had, had founded. Up, so. Yeah. So so this at this point, you know, the, the purpose of the site originally was to create 
this BitTorrent file sharing service within Scandinavia. There was never any intent in those days for it to become something larger than that. But the way the Internet works, it's a global network mm-hmm. of networks. So as people discovered that there was this resource for getting uh, uh, you know, thousands of different types of files across multiple categories, you know, music, television, movies, text files, video games, all sorts of stuff was being shared on through this this system. Uh, the the popularity began to explode. Yeah, they uh, had to add a bunch of new servers that year um, as, as they were relocating to Sweden. Yeah, and that's also when the Pirate Bay split from being run by uh, Pirat Biron and became run by, quote-unquote, dedicated individuals. They, they've been a little bit... Um uh, secretive about who exactly has been. I mean, they realized that what they were doing was potentially uh, problematic. Like, problematic. Not, even if they didn't think it was illegal, they knew that people would come after them. Absolutely. Because of the nature of the files that were being shared, even though, again, their their position was, hey, you know, we sure we call ourselves the Pirate Bay and sure we advocate the uh, the file sharing and sure we advocate it even if it's intellectual property but we're not the ones putting it up there we're just facilitating it they were they were political activists you know i think that they knew what they were yeah. doing yeah yeah and boy the the story gets so much more uh, complicated when we get into the legal stuff but yeah the, this also freed pirat biron up, right? They no longer had to administer this site, which was growing and becoming more of a full-time gig. Mm-hmm. And so instead, the organization went on to focus on debating copyright issues within the Swedish government rather than maintaining a file-sharing site. So that was, um, you know, really early on. Like you said, one year after it had been founded, it had already grown so large that the founding organization was like, we should probably hand this off so that we can focus on what we want to do and not be distracted by running uh, a service. Right. Uh, moving up to 2005, that's when the Pirate Bay got a redesign and was became available in multiple languages because they, they you know, they would said, well, we've got the whole world coming to us. We should start to cater to them so that uh, this, to make it more possible for them to use our services. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're, we're we're peddling not files. We're peddling a philosophy and that philosophy should be open to the entire world. So uh, by the end of the year, that site had more than 2.5 million users. And that was about the time when some folks out on California, um, Hollywood and, and the record industry both started taking notice and um, I, I think serving them with um, takedown notices, cease and desist, which, yeah. uh, by the way, the Pirate Bay's response to takedown notices is, is essentially this. Yeah. All right. Getting back into the piracy. Uh, I was I was just going to note that that usually um, they are a little bit more snarky than your extremely loud laugh just was. Right. I was just but summing it up. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No. No. They they have been um, very vocal and very not politically correct in their responses in saying, uh, "No, we are not taking down our service." And and what are you going to do about it? Yeah. And come at me, bro. Mm-hmm. That's essentially their response. Um. Or they just ignore it. Entirely. That's the other right. choice. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all right. So this sets up what is going to become the the legal, the beginning of the legal portion of our episode about the Pirate Bay. But before we get into that, we're going to take a very quick break. All right. We're back. So 2005, 2004, big years. 2006, 
something uh, pretty major happens to the Pirate Bay, right? Uh, the Swedish police raided their data center, one of their data centers in Stockholm. Yeah, 65 Swedish police officers raid the data center in Stockholm, Sweden. And uh, they had this very specific job, right? Their job was to shut down the Pirate Bay's servers. And uh, well, one of those founders, Frederick, uh, kind of learned that something something was up yeah, he, in he, the middle of this. He got a little bit of a, a little birdie, told mm-hmm. him that perhaps he might need to take some measures to prevent something from happening to the site. Yeah, he um, made a made it stopped for a couple minutes to make a full backup of the site and then d- trotted on down to the data center to see what was up and was, you know, greeted by 65 Swedish police officers. And had he not stopped for those couple of minutes to make that backup, um, this story might go very differently. Um, because, because as it turned out, uh, that happened on May 31st, 2006. They had mm-hmm. the site back up by June 3rd. Right. Yeah. They had it back up online, hosted on a new server in the Netherlands, and the founders renamed the site temporarily. <laughs> the Police Bay. Yeah. They were essentially saying, ha ha, you tried to get us and look, you, you shut us down for three days. For three whole days. For 72 hours and then yeah. we're back. But, you know, it was, I think it was really thanks to Frederick's, um, uh, foresight of making that copy. Yeah. And then the logo, they ended up changing that temporarily right. again to a pirate ship that was firing cannonballs at Hollywood. At the Hollywood sign. Yeah. And then eventually they changed it again so that it kind of looked like a phoenix, which, of course, is the mythical bird that every now and then bursts into flames and perishes. And then a new phoenix and rises, rises from, from the ashes. ashes. Yeah. So they're again, they're saying, like, you can you can try and kill us, but we'll just come right back. That was the message they were sending. And the media loved this story. Oh, yeah. And, and also they pointed out happily, they happily pointed out that because of this police action and because of the media response to everything that was going on, their site traffic exploded. Spiked like crazy. Yeah, yeah, so essentially the other message they gave was, every time you try and take action against us, you're just bringing more traffic to us. So really, every time you try and stop us, you're making you're your quote-unquote problem worse. Yeah. So, uh, now granted, does that message make the organization stop? No. Nope. So moving up to 2007, that's when the Pirate Bay starts to really look around and say, what can we do to prevent us from having to deal with this you know, problem of a government coming in and shutting us down? Because it's kind of irritating. Not that it's going to stop us, but it slows us down. And it would, wouldn't it be nice if we could locate our servers someplace beyond the reach of law? So how could we do that? How could we get to the point where no government could come after us? Well, if we form our own country. Yeah. What if we what if we just, you know, bought an island somewhere, declared ourselves a sovereign nation, let, removed ourselves from pretty much any other government influence and then, uh, you know, operate out of there? Wouldn't that work? Mm, let's take a look online, see if, uh, you know, in Craigslist, if there are any if anyone's selling like a major island or something. And as it turns out. Yeah, there was a there was an old British naval platform out in the North Sea. Yeah. Called called renamed. Sealand. Sealand. Yeah, originally it was just a, a naval platform, a military platform that the British Navy had uh, pretty much abandoned after World War II. And um, Major Paddy Roy Bates, a, uh, a former uh, uh, Navy man himself, I believe, decided, um, hey, you know what? I am disenchanted with life under any other governmental system. So what I plan on doing is <laughs> taking my boat out to Sealand and claiming it as my own sovereign nation. And that's what he did. 
That was back in 1967. Yeah, so he uh, proclaimed it a state, and he created his own passports, he created his own currency, and he declared himself Prince Roy. Now, uh, <laughs> to, to which the British Royal Navy, uh, a year later in 1968, said, uh, no. No, you know, get off, that's ours. And a uh, judge said that, um, no, you can't do that because you abandoned it, and that platform is outside of English international waters, so it's outside our jurisdiction. So technically, Prince Roy has it. Yeah, uh, it, we have to cite the old law that was made shortly after the Magna Carta was signed in 1215, uh, Finders versus Keepers. And as it turns out, the finders win in this one. Um, the Yeah, so Prince Roy was essentially still allowed to stay there because it was territorial waters outside of British control. Now, since then, the UK has changed how far out their international uh, waters extend, okay. but they can't retroactively claim it. Uh-huh. According to to uh, court cases, uh, right, and that is how uh, Prince Roy's son, Prince Michael, wound up putting the island up for sale. Yeah, he says, "Well, you know, this one's this is mine. We have established by law that this belongs to me, and, and through primogeniture, <laughs> I own this. My father has given me the rulership of this island." I can sell it if I want to. Nepotism. Yeah, so the sale goes up and, uh, and, and Pirate Bay is one of the, um, the bidders for this island. Uh, however, Pirate Bay does not ever quite seal the deal. So it never goes through. Uh, the Pirate Bay ends up abandoning the plan to purchase sea land, which, uh, kind of unfortunate because I think the rest of this podcast would just be us talking about how weird it would be to have a Navy platform as your sovereign state and that only the Pirate Bay is there, that would be kind of a cool conversation. Unfortunately, that's not how it turned out. So uh, that same year that they were looking at purchasing Sealand, that's, you know, remember, it's back in 2007, there was uh, a, an interesting report. Hackers leaked emails that came from the anti-piracy company Media Defender that showed that Media Defender had considered hiring hackers to attack Pirate Bay servers. So at this point, the Pirate Bay is like, yeah, bring it on, guys. I mean, clearly you, you're afraid of us and you should be. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and you are willing to take action outside of the legal system. Yeah, exactly. Like, like you, you say that we are, are underhanded and illegal and that the stuff we do is, uh, terrible and is costing people billions of dollars. Meanwhile, you are willing to engage in tactics that are outside the law mm-hmm. to pursue your own agenda. So who is the bad guy here? Huh? I Again, I am uh, paraphrasing. Yes. <laughs> I don't think that we could actually repeat much of the language that they use on the show. No, because it's on Swedish and we've already established that I can't speak it. 2008, the RIAA... Goes after the Pirate Bay. Yeah, they, they, they put down their official suit. They were seeking $13 million in damages for 34 cases of copyright infringement. Right. Now, uh, Cracked, the, which you had referred to earlier, uh, ended up breaking this down as saying that if you take the $13 million and you take the 34 cases of copyright infringement, that essentially means that every file is worth more than $380,000, which means that if you were to apply the $380,000 per file cost to all the torrents that were uh, being uh, uh, traded, all, all the files that were being traded uh, and facilitated by the Pirate Bay, because remember, the Pirate Bay does not host these files. They're facilitating the trading. Uh, but if you were to apply that to all the files that were being traded across the Pirate Bay, 
that would mean that uh, it would be about 46 times more money than actually exists in the entire world. According to crack. Now, Lauren, I think you had some issue with this. Well, well, yeah. I mean, I'm their their math works out, but you know, they they were talking about about you know, 13 million divided by 34 equals the value of each piece of media that um that is being traded. Sure. And then switches to saying that that that's the value for every single download. So that's not that's not that's that's not parallel two things, two math. Things, yeah. Um, it's still funny. Yeah. And their point still stands. Right. That that's that that. It- and it's not that we haven't seen cases of the RIAA going after people who have downloaded files and and seeking out enormous sums and damages. Right. And and for the most part I am I imagine that this tactic is to not not to try and get money from the particular person they're going after but rather to to scare everybody into not engaging in piracy. Right. Which is pretty effective, uh, you know, or semi-effective for for, right. for some individuals. Anyway. Yeah, until until you get to people who are like, well, fine. But it's I'll also just use terrible and and <laughs> weird and underhanded and makes me all squiggly inside. Well, I, you know, you know, yeah. it's it's I, yeah. Uh, it, well, it also goes into feeding into the argument that really does not have any. It's not substantive, right? There's an argument that says uh, every time someone steals a file, someone copies a file, we are out a sale. We are we are losing that nine bucks for the CD or whatever it is, which you cannot prove at mm-hmm. all. Yeah, and in fact, there have been multiple uh, reports that have said the mm-hmm. the damages sought by companies uh, as a reaction to their work being pirated and and distributed across the internet have no basis in any sort of quantifiable reality. It's not right. it's not that, that they don't exist. It's just that you can't put a number on it because there's no way to determine what the actual damages are. Yeah. And and also that piraters buy more online music than your average person. Yeah, there have been a lot of reports that show that as well, that show that there's a link between those who uh, engage in piracy and those who spend more money on entertainment as a result. Maybe they use piracy to sample something and they think, uh, I want to either support this particular endeavor or maybe it's I want access to a better quality copy of whatever it is. Um, you know, it all depends upon the individual, obviously. But at any rate, the industry does not look at it that way. The industry looks at it as, yo, people are stealing our stuff and we are going to stop it. Yeah. So uh, that was the you know, RIAA going after them. Now, that that's just the, the first in many court cases that will uh, that affected the Pirate Bay. The big one is still coming up, but we'll be covering that in episode two. Anyway, in 2008, something else really controversial happened. Uh, and there was another court case that didn't involve... Copyright law had nothing to do with intellectual property. It but had it had something to do with other content. content. Yeah. Right. And it wasn't a court case. I should correct myself there. There's no court case that's involved in this. It was more of a kind of a, a public exchange between different parties involved. So what happened was there was a Swedish criminal case that involved the murder of two children. Uh, and in Sweden, a the files related to a criminal case become public record once the criminal case goes to trial. Oh, wow. Okay. So anyone can request a copy of the files that relate to a criminal case once it goes to trial. Uh, in this case, the file included autopsy photos of the two murdered children. Someone requested that and then uploaded it as a torrent to the Pirate Bay, meaning anyone could get hold of it. Uh, the father of the two children asked the Pirate Bay 
to take down the torrent? And the Pirate Bay's response was no. Now, the uh, a more detailed response, first of all, one of the moderators of the Pirate Bay was really awful to the father. Oh, And uh-huh. in fact, the so awful that the Pirate Bay founders actually addressed that, which is pretty incredible because usually they don't say anything about like they there's no there's not even a budging on saying like we did something wrong here. Yeah. Well, they they do I they they have they have addressed to the public um their personal opinions on each other from time to time. Yes. And they, and, and they, occasionally they don't they don't refrain from that. Yes. Uh so so this sounds to me, and, and and I didn't actually read about it, but but it sounds a little bit to me like um like when uh, Tico of Penny Arcade goes like, oh, Gabe just said this thing, yeah, that was really loud, right? Well, so in this case, what what happened was they said, uh, you know, that was a, that was an improper response, and for that we are sorry, but we are not bringing we are this, not taking the media yeah, down because, because it's it's a it's a matter of public record, and in fact, they point out that the prosecutor could have requested the autopsy photos, for example, to be uh, removed from the file before it went Mm -hmm. into the public record. But he didn't do that or she didn't do that. I don't know the gender of the prosecutor. So um, so, you know, their their point was that we're not responsible for what was in that file. But that file is a matter of public record, which we believe means that anyone should have access to it. And we don't we don't as long as the torrent file refers to whatever the content is, whether or not it's cool. Uh, it goes up. It goes up because we don't censor. Our, we don't mm-hmm. censor our users, um, and so he said, you know, the people you should be upset about, or upset at, are uh, the murderer who did this, right? And the court system that allowed for that information to be included to in the file. Public. Don't be upset with us because all we did was allow this to happen, and as kind of a twisting of the knife here, terrible phrase, oh, yeah, terrible that's... word for this, but. But really, I mean, this this was part that, like, that was enough, I thought, to address this. But they go a little further and say, also, before you brought this up, only about 100 people had ever accessed this. After you did, more than 20,000 did. Oh, my goodness. Um, thousands of people ended up, because then they heard about it, and then they had got that. got press and right. They had that kind of grim curiosity. And so that led to a bunch of people downloading and before it had been fewer than 100 people. So I don't think that was necessarily something that needed to be said. Although I guess that does tell people, like, if you're upset about something being on the Pirate Bay. Be quiet. Don't make a big stink about it, because that just means more people are going to do it. Right. And also, I'm sure that that feeds into their general, um, you know, statement of don't don't stir the nest. You know, like, yeah, like we see, th- this is very interesting to me because in a way, this is the other side of the coin of what the music industry and movie industry are doing. They use scare tactics to try and get people to stop pirating by threatening these huge lawsuits with enormous damages. That's financially trying to intimidate people to stop pirating. Meanwhile, you've got the piracy folks saying, hey, if you complain about it, just more people are going to pirate. So they're using scare tactics to shut up the other side. So, again, both sides are using similar uh, strategies. Uh, they, I, th- I think that part of the point that the Pirate Bay is trying to make by releasing these statements is also kind of like uh, this is publicity. Downloads are publicity. Attention is publicity. And if if only you would make your your copyrighted material available to people to purchase mm-hmm. they 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 would probably do so 
I, I feel like that's part of the message that that all of all of that controversy. That's interesting. See, I I don't think that's. I think it's true what you said. Mm-hmm. I, I, and we'll get into more of that in the second oh, half. Uh, okay, maybe may, may, maybe not maybe not pit up beat on themselves, but I yeah. but I think that that is okay. No, I was totally attributing my own personal opinion. Right. No, <laughs> I, uh, an opinion to which I subscribe. By the way, mm-hmm. I just don't necessarily think that's part of their philosophy. Um, anyway, that that's that's a good discussion that we'll have in the second episode. So we're going to wrap this half up. So we're, we're we've gotten up through 2008. We'll pick up in 2009 for part two, and we'll talk more about. You know, what, what has happened to the Pirate Bay since a massive lawsuit was leveled against them? And, and what could be the future of the Pirate Bay? It's kind of an interesting question. And also kind of a, where are they now for the Pirate Bay founders? So join us for that. And uh, remember, if you have any suggestions for future episodes of Tech Stuff, whether it's a company, an organization, a specific kind of technology, Maybe you want us to do one another one of those crazy episodes where we take a movie and we totally rip it to shreds as far as uh, its uh, its portrayal of technology and science. Tell us what movie. Yeah, we've got a few suggestions already, and uh, y'all Armageddon's just not going to happen. People have already torn that up. Okay, maybe it'll happen, but it's not going to happen soon. <laughs> anyway. Uh, let us know. Send us an email. Our address is techstuff at discovery.com or find us on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle at both those locations is techstuffhsw. And Lauren and I will talk to you really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. 